You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We have breaking details tonight from RCMP who confirmed the bodies found in northern Manitoba last week are those of Cam McLeod and Briar Schmigelski, the pair suspected in the three murders in northern BC. Sarah McDonald is live outside RCMP headquarters in Surrey tonight. And Sarah, the question of how they died has also been answered. Chris, that's right. Finally answers to the question so many Canadians have been asking tonight. Those Vancouver Island natives turned fugitives at the center of that national manhunt confirmed to be dead. The cause of death in both cases confirmed to be suicide. They died by suicide and by shooting themselves. The information Canadians nationwide had been waiting for revealed Monday by BCRCMP. The two died by what appears to be suicides uh, by gunfire. Along with definitive confirmation, the bodies of two men discovered in rural Manitoba last Wednesday are those of the accused killers at the center of an extensive national manhunt. Briar Schmigelski and Cam McLeod, who by now would both be 19 years old, dying by their own hands, though it's unclear exactly when. Uh, while both individuals were deceased for a number of days before they were found, the exact time and date of their deaths is still not known. Manitoba's medical examiner only able to determine the men were likely alive for days after the discovery of their burnt-out getaway vehicle some eight kilometers from where they died, likely days before their bodies were discovered. Each body accompanied by a firearm. It hurts a lot. He was my only child. I never get a hug him again. The confirmation coming on the heels of this interview with an Australian news outlet by Schmigelski's father. So far the only family member of the suspects to speak out publicly. I'm so sad that he felt that he had to take this road trip. The firearms discovered with the suspect's bodies are now undergoing forensic examination as investigators work to link the guns to the three murder victims. Lucas Fowler and China Deese, Australian and American nationals respectively, and Vancouver-based botanist Leonard Dick, all of them murdered in northern BC at random. I think probably it would have been better for, for victims of the families like to have proper closure maybe. If there was a message or a manifesto of any kind left behind in investigators aren't saying, as the lingering and painful question remains unanswered. Why? Still a mystery for sure, Sarah. Is there any timeline on getting answers to that key question? Well, investigators say it could be weeks at this point until the public is updated on this case again. Of course, as we know, those firearms and other items belonging to the suspects recovered near their bodies will hold crucial clues in this investigation going forward. There will be closure in some respects if those firearms that killed Schmigowski and McLeod can be definitively linked to all three murder victims. Though RCMP say, Chris, it is possible we may never know the motive behind these senseless murders. That would be agonizing for the families for sure sarah mcdonald for us tonight thank you sarah a man in his 30s has died after a failed stunt attempt on the waterfront in downtown vancouver it happened near the new convention center last night in front of shocked onlookers and that's where we find our tanya beja she's there with more information about what he was attempting tanya well, Chris, the man was riding his bike up on the third level of the seawall. We understand he somehow launched with his bike off the seawall and may have hit the dock before landing in the water. 
It happened around 8.30 Sunday night. Witnesses and bystanders tried to save the man. Uh, they performed CPR. First responders also arrived very quickly on scene, but the man did not survive. A second person, we're told, was taken to hospital in stable condition. Now, the coroner service is investigating. Uh, they are not releasing the victim's identity at this point, but they say he was a man in his 30s. Uh, people who work in this area tell us they've never seen this part of the seawall used for bike stunts before. So certainly a lot of questions about what happened, but obviously, Chris, quite a tragedy. Back to you. All right, Tanya Beja in Vancouver. Thanks, Tanya. More tonight on an RCMP-involved shooting that left a Maple Ridge man dead as BC's police watchdog investigates to determine exactly what happened. The man's sister is speaking to our Grace Key, explaining why she says the shooting was unjustified. And a warning, some of the pictures in this story are not going to be suitable for all members of your family. I didn't open the door all the way, just a few inches. I asked my brother, brother, you like to go to hospital because the police are here. Yin Yin Din describes the horrifying Sunday afternoon when her brother was killed in a police-involved shooting in their Maple Ridge home. John Nai Din suffers from schizophrenia. When he refused to come out of his room, officers asked the sister to back up. One of them opened the door and then I, I saw like a, like a little red laser light and then another one advanced and shot him. Bang, bang, bang. One neighbor says an officer was clearly distraught. One of the policemen was clearly upset, very upset. And uh, yeah, he, I guess he um, was moved off to the side. A conducted energy weapon was unsuccessfully used and another officer fired a gun. It appears the brother might have thrown an exercise weight at officers and police say he had a knife. But Yin Yin says she only saw him sitting on his chair scooping sugar into a jar. This one is open, you know, this one is open and he was scooping the sugar and then into it like this. Nothing was going on and he was in his room. He was not a night-yielding night person on the street hamming somebody. The Independent Investigations Office, the police watchdog group, is now investigating. Whether um, the affected person was armed and if so, what, what the weapon was and what role, if any, it played in this matter, of course, are key questions in our investigation. I miss him forever, you know. I will try to get justice for him, you know. I, I want the truth to come out. The IAO has finished collecting evidence at the scene. They'll be interviewing more witnesses and gathering background information. Grace Key, Global News. Nanaimo RCMP need the public's help locating a person of interest in the murder of Michaela Chang, and he has one distinguishing characteristic. Investigators want to find 59-year-old Stephen Michael Bacon. You can see he has a teardrop tattoo near his left eye. RCMP won't rule out that Bacon might still be in Nanaimo or somewhere else on Vancouver Island, but they also say he could be anywhere and they need help to locate him. Michaela Chang was 16 when she vanished from downtown Nanaimo in March 2017. Her body was later discovered, but where she was found and how she died is still a mystery. Contact your local police or Nanaimo RCMP if you see Bacon anywhere. And more tonight on the suspected sabotage of the Sea to Sky gondola. Early Saturday morning, the gondola's main cable was cut, causing most of the cabins to crash to the ground. Ted Chernecki has more on the effort to get the attraction back up and running and the fallout. 
Since opening in May 2014, the Sea the Sky gondola has been very popular, but this morning it remains closed indefinitely, and more than 200 employees are out of a job. Well, this very much is a crime scene right now as the RCMP continues to investigate what it is calling an act of vandalism, but an act of vandalism that could cost millions of dollars in lost revenue and repair work. There are questions swirling around town today about what would be the motive? Yeah, immediately upon receiving the news yesterday, we reached out to um, the North Shore Mountains, Whistler Black Home, and other tourist entities uh, to just let them know about the incident. Police say this is just a standard precaution, and they don't believe other gondolas have been targeted. Meanwhile, up to 10 weddings have been booked atop the mountain in August and September, and now special event organizers are scrambling to find alternative locations. We're pretty devastated by the incident. We're here at Needlelake Lodge right now. They've um, kindly offered to, to work with us on one of our weddings, and then Whistler Blackcomb as well, so we're working through it. Local shop owners in Squamish say they expect to feel the impact of a prolonged closure. We have had calls from brides already panicked about where are they going to move their weddings to, what are they going to do about that, and as well as just any potential weddings we could have had up there. The Sea the Sky gondola has always been controversial because of how Parkland had to be rezoned to accommodate a for-profit enterprise. And even five years on, it just might be too successful for some. Yeah, I would still say there's different feelings about it. In a statement, the Sea the Sky gondola owners say 18 to 20 of the cabins will have to be replaced, as will that 5.5 centimeter wide cable. Doppelmayr, the Austrian company who designed and built the gondola, did not return calls. Tension of the news. Well, it wasn't open long, but Keats, Kitts Beach is closed again due to swimmer or two swimmers due to high E. coli levels in the water. Two weeks after it was closed for the same problem, warning signs are going up again. Tests found more than 1,700 E. coli per 100 milliliters of water. That's far in excess of the safe limit, about 400 E. coli. Health officials warn anyone exposed to that level of bacteria has a good chance of getting a gastrointestinal illness, a skin rash, eye infection, or all three. Stay out of the water. The second largest ride-hailing company in the world is hoping to be rolling on Metro Vancouver roads come this fall. Lyft is confirming today it's applying to operate here, despite the requirement drivers have a Class 4 license. But as Richard Zussman explains, the decision isn't good news for everyone in the province. All these cars, cabs and buses are about to get some company on Metro Vancouver's roads. We're really excited today to bring this uh, promise of positive change for all British Columbians. Lyft currently operates all across the United States, but in Canada, they are only on the road in the greater Toronto area and Ottawa. This is a challenging environment to work in. Um, we don't operate in any other region that has this strict a licensing requirement. That requirement is that all ride-sharing drivers must hold commercial Class 4 licenses. The company was even threatening to not operate at all in B.C. because of that rule. But the provincial government says this decision shows B.C.'s rules aren't as flawed as critics want you to believe. And We believe that we've taken a balanced and fair approach to the regulatory regime and Lyft's decision to operate here in B.C. speaks to that. Lyft is optimistic they will be able to find enough drivers in Metro Vancouver. And although this may change, for now, they will not be operating in Kamloops, Kelowna, and here in the provincial capital. 
you're going to be catering to the Vancouver market, which is most lucrative, but it doesn't mean that the suburbs of Vancouver, the outer suburbs, are going to get the same type of service, or for that matter, uh, those living in area code 250. Major rules around regional boundaries, the number of licenses each company can have and price have still not been established. And Uber, the world's largest ride-sharing company, is still waiting to decide whether it will operate across British Columbia. So the government's done a great job of, of making this happen. We really appreciate that, but we just need to push it a bit more so we can populate more drivers across British Columbia. Ride-sharing companies officially can start applying next month with the goal to have vehicles on these roads by the end of the year. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. Potentially a huge shakeup in BC's forest industry, which has been struggling as sawmills close and hundreds of workers face layoffs. BC billionaire Jimmy Pattison has put an offer on the table to buy Canfor, at least the part he doesn't already own. Keith Baldry is live in Victoria with more on the offer and what, if accepted, Keith, this really means. Yeah, quite, uh, quite the development, uh, Chris. You and I have talked many times in the news hour in recent weeks about Canfor closing operation, closing mills, cutting back on shifts as they, it and other companies are dealing with a real crisis in the woods. So this came out of the blue last night, Canfor announcing that uh, uh, unprovoked bid coming from Jimmy Pattison, who already owns 53% of the company, proposing to take it to the private level away from public listing. So here's how it breaks down. It is a billion-dollar offer, basically, from Jimmy Pattison's group to uh, take the company private. Again, they own 53% already. They acquired the other 47%. It's a long-term strategy, predicated on long-term strategy, stretching over 20 years. And part of that strategy, a big part of it, is a shift to producing value-added goods and away from milling the traditional two-by-fours. And I'm told from Pattison's people, they see the days of giant mill operations drawing to a close by necessity. Something new has to be done. We caught up to Ravi Kalan, the Parliamentary Secretary for Forest. He totally agrees with the Pattison's group uh, outlook when it comes to forestry. I, well, I think it's certainly good news for uh, BC's forest sector. It's good news for BC's economy. And I think it's a good sign for the way we're handling a very difficult forestry file uh, in this province. So again, most forestry analysts I follow today, Chris, say this is good news for the BC forest industry, a sign that someone's willing to sink a heck of a lot of money into an industry that was sort of the rock-solid industry for BC for so long, which has been struggling big time in recent weeks. This is seen as good news if the deal goes through, and most people think it probably will. And is there a timeline on it, Keith? No, Canfor has their own internal group looking at it. I expect that the decision, final decision will be made one way or another fairly quickly. They want to get moving on this to have some, some finality brought to, again, to a situation that has companies in crisis around B.C. No doubt. Okay, Keith Baldry and Victoria, thanks, Keith. The wildfire situation is improving near Oliver tonight thanks to a cool, damp weekend. The Eagle Bluff fire grew very little over the past 48 hours, and where it did, it was mostly due to backburning. Right now, it's 2,600 hectares, but within those lines, fire behavior is now minimal, and it's only expected to flare up when crews are using fire to fight fire. Quite often, that is how fires are beat. Um, there's not a lot of direct attack on wildfires, especially in steep, rocky terrain like this. Um, so quite often, when crews are fighting fires, they do create control lines and burn off from there. And that is how a safe and effective way to, to gain control of a fire. They've still got a lot of resources on that fire. Ten helicopters, 19 pieces of heavy equipment, and 196 ground crews working out there. 
But right now, more tonight on another shocking example of a wrong-way driver caught on video. This time it happened at Sunset Beach in Vancouver on Friday. Park and beachgoers stunned to see a car driving down the bike path along with cyclists. Amazingly, no one was hurt, but Catherine Urquhart has more on how it could have happened in the first place. At Vancouver Sunset Beach, there's a steady stream of cyclists along the dedicated bike path. Locals, tourists, and people with their kids. It's considered a safe route away from cars. But that wasn't the case on Friday. In the middle of the day, a motorist in a white compact car managed to get onto that bike path, eventually veering onto the grass and avoiding cyclists. Incredibly, no one was hurt. Onlookers couldn't believe what they saw. Hashtag seawall Vancouver. This isn't big enough for a car. Anybody with a brain knows that. But there's no enforcement of most laws in Vancouver. Exactly where the driver entered the path is unclear. One strong possibility, above the Inukshuk, where signage might be missed. There should be no physical way to get onto the bike path. Otherwise, someone will. Okay, so barriers? Yeah, at least cones. The Vancouver Park Board told Global News, we are in the process of investigating how a vehicle accessed the pedestrian path and will be reviewing the area to ensure appropriate deterrents are in place. Vancouver police say they received no calls about the incident. However, the video has prompted them to alert their traffic section. Just last month, another dangerous driving incident was caught on camera. That driver went down the stairs at the Sheraton Wall Centre around 8 a.m. She was later identified and fined $368 for driving without due care and attention. Identifying the driver at the wheel of the latest incident, less likely as the images aren't as clear. Both videos sharp reminders for drivers, cyclists and pedestrians to always pay attention. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. The Nanaimo BCSPCA is caring for a little black cat who was shot a number of times with a BB gun. X-rays show the bones in Mystic's left hind leg have been shattered. And he has more tiny pellets lodged in other parts of his body as well, including near his spine and ribs. No word on how or when he received these injuries, but a cruelty investigation is underway. So far, thousands of dollars have been raised to cover the cost of Mystic's surgery and medication. Authorities were forced to shut down Hong Kong International Airport today and cancel dozens of flights. A massive crowd of pro-democracy protesters flooded the main terminal. Though the demonstration remained peaceful, passengers were told to leave the airport for their own safety. Now that protest was unsettling for passengers flying through Hong Kong to YVR. Many of them happy to make it out before the shutdown. Kylie Stanton has more. One of the busiest airports in the world ground to a halt as thousands of pro-democracy demonstrators occupy Hong Kong International's main terminal, forcing a complete shutdown. It's very frustrating and scary for some people. The goal here is peaceful disruption, but with more than 100 flights cancelled and arrivals put on hold, travellers are scrambling to find a way out. No service at all. We try to, like, talk to the people who are working, but no one just, just didn't 
just left us hanging there. So far, there hasn't been any violence here, but that's what's driving this sit-in. Over the weekend, batons and projectiles were used inside one of the city's mass transit systems. In one case, officers reportedly hit a woman in the eye with beanbag pellets. The protesters are repeatedly being called and treated like cockroaches by the police. So our operation basically is targeting a violent writer. No extradition! Demonstrations were originally sparked by a proposed bill that would have allowed China to extradite people in Hong Kong to face criminal charges. The protests have since evolved and there doesn't appear to be an end in sight. The situation is getting worse. The reason is the government ignore all the action of the uh, Hong Kong people and the young people do feel they do not have anything to, to, to lose. Canada's Prime Minister now weighing in on the tensions. We are calling for peace, for order, for dialogue. Those lucky enough to make it out arrive in Vancouver saying they played it safe. They said not to go out. It's just too dangerous outside. But many others are still waiting. Air Canada is monitoring the situation closely for further cancellations. The next possible flight to Vancouver is scheduled for Tuesday. Kylie Stanton, Global News. Now to that brawl at a lower mainland shopping center. The video circulating on social media is now being used by RCMP in their investigation. A large fight breaks out outside the Strawberry Hill shopping mall over the weekend. Newton area officers have spoken to a number of businesses and residents in the area concerned about the violence. In the video, there appears to be 10 to 15 young males, maybe late teens, early 20s, and they're actively involved in a fight in a car park area. We are actively engaged in enforcement in that area, and it is our hotspot for our general duty frontline officers. They are patrolling that area in their marked police cars throughout the day and night in order to deter or detect these types of offenses. RCMP are now trying to determine how the fight started Anyone with information is asked to call Surrey RCMP. Check out this dangerously close call for a driver in Buffalo after the car's windshield and roof were skewered by a huge pole this morning. Police say the vehicle rammed into the post that was being carried on the back of a utility truck before flipping over onto its side. The driver has minor injuries. No word yet on how it happened. The apparent suicide of financier Jeffrey Epstein is not slowing the investigation into his alleged sex trafficking ring. While the feds look into what led up to his in-custody death over the weekend, the FBI is turning its attention to possible conspirators in the case. Today, investigators raided his private island estate in the Caribbean, searching for evidence. Attorney General William Barr is promising the investigation into Jeffrey Epstein's alleged sex trafficking ring is far from over, despite Epstein's apparent suicide. Let me assure you that this case will continue on against anyone who was complicit with Epstein. Any co-conspirators should not rest easy. The Justice Department is also investigating how the 66-year-old disgraced financier died less than three weeks after surviving a previous apparent suicide attempt. We will get to the bottom of what happened. 
One source tells CBS News Epstein hanged himself, but the medical examiner has not yet released results of the autopsy. According to the New York Times, guards at the jail were supposed to check on him every 30 minutes, but that procedure was not followed the night before his death. We are now learning of serious irregularities at this facility that are deeply concerning and demand a thorough investigation. Sources familiar with the operations here at the Metropolitan Correctional Center say guards were working extreme overtime shifts to make up for staffing shortages. Epstein's death follows the unsealing of more than 2,000 pages of documents, many containing graphic allegations against Epstein and allegations that his close friend, Ghislaine Maxwell, found teenage girls for Epstein and his friends. There are allegations that that Miss Maxwell was an active participant in the sexual abuse. Maxwell denies the allegations. Mark Liverman, CBS News, New York. Search crews say hope is fading for a man and young girl swept away in flash flooding in the Swiss Alps. The pair was inside a car that was carried off by a wave of rushing water and debris triggered by heavy rain on Sunday. More than 70 people spent the night searching for them, but there has been no trace of the two or of their vehicle. Residents of Newark, New Jersey are being given cases of bottled water after some of the filters provided by their local government over the past eight months failed. The city is facing a contamination crisis with high levels of lead detected in the drinking water. Worried and angry about lead contamination, residents of Newark, New Jersey are demanding bottled water and answers. If you know that the water is going to be messed up for all of this time, why wouldn't we, why wasn't we told? The city giving water to some residents today after the Environmental Protection Agency warned Friday night it could not assure their health is fully protected. New tests revealing water filters issued by the city last year amid elevated lead levels may not be reliably effective. I'm upset. I'm angry. Shakima Thomas says her son Bryce, age five, tested positive for lead. I'm concerned that his brain might not be able to think past a certain point. While she admits she can't prove a connection, experts say no level of lead in water is safe. The issue exploding in 2016 when lead was discovered in the water in 30 school buildings. The Water in Newark is safe and drinkable. Residents were skeptical then, too, some now drawing comparisons to the crisis in Flint, Michigan. Late today, the city said testing will continue and that out of an abundance of caution, the city is notifying residents that some filters may not be working as expected. The mayor has urged residents to let their water run for five minutes before using it. Yvette Jordan says her home tested three times the federal limit for lead. She leads a group of residents suing the city. As an educator, as a parent, as a wife, as a resident of Newark, I'm extremely upset. Tonight, residents of an American city worried about what's in the water. Tonight, city officials insist the tests show the lead problem is not that widespread. But it's still unclear how much longer some residents of this largely African-American city will need bottled water. A rare sight down under where they are in the grips of unseasonably cold weather. Call it the blizzard of Oz, a passing driver capturing this in incredible video of a mob of kangaroos, sometimes called a troop of kangaroos, leaping across a snow-covered field. Over the weekend, an Antarctic front swept over the southeastern parts of the country, triggering severe weather and snowfall warnings. Wild sight. No, 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 no. And... Sorry, hey. 
It's okay. It's all right. Come in. There you go. And a fawn, probably not a fan of footy after getting stuck in a soccer net. On Saturday, the Howard County Police Department in Central Maryland shared this video of one of its officers helping untangle and free the young deer. The animal, as it turns out, was not hurt and scrambled away. In Health Matters tonight, how much time are you spending staring at screens? While doctors have established some of the short-term impacts, like sleep issues, blurry vision, and headaches, there are still questions about how a screen's blue light affects your health long-term. They are studying the toll it takes on retinal cells deep within the eyes. Optometrists suggest limiting daily screen time to reduce the risk of vision loss, especially for children. And just by taking breaks, like every 20 or 30 minutes for about 20 seconds and looking as far away as you can, blinking your eyes and just getting away from the electronics is the best thing you can do. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Ever wonder what happens to all the hair clippings at your salon? Well, we'll show you what one enterprising hairstylist does with it right after the forecast. It's coming up right now with Yvonne <laughs> Shell in for Christy. It really is amazing. I can't wait to see it. Uh, and yeah, a return to summer is what it felt like this afternoon. Yes, for many areas, especially across Metro Vancouver, the south coast, and it is going to push in towards the interior for tomorrow onwards, and I'll have more on the numbers. It is going to warm up, and I'll show you that in just a moment. A beautiful shot overlooking the North Shore Mountains this evening. We've managed to see some breaks out there. Temperatures up to 23 degrees. We've got a light westerly wind at 6 kilometers per hour. It's our wheel love water campaign where we have tips on how you can save water tonight's question is a quarter of our daily water usage inside our homes comes from toilets showers dishwashers or leaks i'll have that answer coming up after the forecast our numbers today away from the water with the humidex it was feeling warmer 25 for areas near abbotsford and inland for the island today bumping up to 24 degrees the interior pushing closer to 30 degrees for areas near soyuz kamloops up to 27 and the low 20s for the northeastern corners. Now here's a glance what we're still seeing some active weather across the central interior so we still have a few thunderstorms isolated across the area and it'll be similar once again tomorrow before we anticipate some breaks and across uh, the south coast we've got a system that's just sitting offshore that'll bring more cloud cover for the morning hours and that'll be across the island central coast a chance of showers and then breaks towards the afternoon. Tomorrow afternoon most of the thunderstorm activity will be across the central interior and then it'll ease off and then it's Wednesday onwards that we are going to see a fair bit of sunshine pleasant for all areas across the province. Fire danger rating and update for the southern half interior if you're outdoors any campfires or cigarette butts please be diligent we've got moderate to high and that's similar across the island. Suspected cause for some of the fires there's 45 active ones right now seven is human caused and 31 currently lightning caused. Coastal sections tomorrow some breaks inland with the risk of thunderstorms the instability will be across the central interior much of the southern half tomorrow a nice break and then it's the south coast we do still have some cloud cover it'll be for the morning hours and across the island a few spots still seeing that chance of showers by the afternoon areas away from the water with the humidex feeling closer to 30 degrees pleasant in our five-day forecast sunny and dry right across the board all right our answer for we love water tonight is toilets about a quarter of our indoor water usage is from flushing the toilet if you'd like more tips go visit welovewater.ca Chris. All right. Thanks very much, Yvonne. Da Vinci, Rembrandt, Van Gogh, none of them produced portraits quite like this. 
a hairstylist in Macedonia claim a hairstylist in Macedonia's claim to fame is artwork made out of hair. She uses clippings from her clients to create celebrity likenesses on the floor of the salon. She's been posting the images on social media and developed quite a following online. And when she feels another moment of inspiration, she simply pulls out the hair dryer to blow the cuttings away and does a new one. Pretty cool. What's that? Eminem? Yeah. Looks like Eminem. <laughs> blue eyes as well. There's a couple yeah. of extra details in Somebody there. Somebody had blue hair? Could yeah. be. Yeah, that's that true. Yeah. All right, uh, a lot of momentum for Canadian tennis right now after uh, what happened at the Rogers Cup. Yeah, and uh, Felix Auger, Ali Yassim is moving up the rankings. I know Shapovalov's been a bit off this year. Milos Ronic is still around. Because I always thought Ronic was unlucky. He sort of came up when, you know, well, they're still there. You know, mm -hmm. the Nadals and the Federers and the Djokovic's and even Andy Murray for a while. Okay, to the rest of the world, what's happening with Canadian tennis is a huge surprise. And in many ways, it's surprising us as well. The world thinks of this country as the hockey nation, the wizards of winter sports. But right now, Canadian tennis is going through a generational moment. Young players moving up the rankings, along with a few veterans who've already made their mark but are still out there challenging, like the aforementioned Milos Ronic. And yesterday's win albeit through Serena Williams' injury by Bianca Andreescu at the Rogers Cup, only makes the tennis world show more love to the home and native land. And with the Audlin Brown Vancouver Open at Hollyburn this week, a few of those Canadians have a chance to bask in the glow of what's been happening. The 19-year-old is the first Canadian lady to win in Canada. Bianca Andreescu, Felix Auger-Aliassime, and Denis Shapovalov have pushed Canadian tennis further along the path blazed in recent years by the likes of Milos Ronic, Vasek Pospisil, and Jeannie Bouchard. We're uh, in a golden age of Canadian tennis right now, and uh, to see the growth over the last like five years or so has been really amazing. Yeah, I think the sky's the limit, to be honest, especially now you see with these young guys in Bianca and uh, Amanda now, and... Um, Felix and Dennis, I mean, sky's the limit. Part of the reason is the work of Tennis Canada. They played a big role in developing both Ojeal Yassim and Andrescu. About 15 years ago, the organization decided instead of spreading money around to a bunch of players, they'd concentrate the funds on only the most talented and most dedicated, like they've done with Leila Annie Fernandez, who is the French Open Junior Girls champion this year. Without them, I wouldn't be traveling a lot to, to Europe or even to Asia. So thanks to them, I'm able to bring my ranking higher and higher. So hopefully everything goes well. And I'm hoping that they get to help other junior players too. We're in an amazing generation right now. And I think a lot of Canadian fans and stuff also have to realize how fortunate they are. Um, you know, for the Dennis and Felix and Bianca generation, um, what they're doing is unbelievable. And... Uh, I'm not going to say it's once in a lifetime, but that kind of generation is, uh, it doesn't happen very often. So their uh, Canadian tennis fans are very fortunate right now. The BC Lions season has gone more sideways than the head coach's hat. But today they reached into last year to help them on the defense this year by making a trade with Toronto to get back defensive lineman Sean Lemon. They gave the Argos defensive lineman Devon Coleman. It's a shakeup move, really. The Lions have been awful 
in many respects, but one of the things they've been awful at is getting to the opposing quarterback. Only seven sacks in eight games. Last year, Lemon had 10 sacks in 13 games with BC. He left the Lions when they didn't re-sign him. He went to Toronto as a free agent. Hasn't had a great season with the Argos so far. So as we said, this is a move where the Lions hope that for whatever reason, when Lemon wears orange, he's much better at sacking quarterbacks. The Lions are in Winnipeg for a game on Thursday after another twilight zone loss to Hamilton on the weekend. In that game, Mike Riley hurt his ankle, but he kept on playing. He was practicing today, so it looks like he will be the starting quarterback for BC in that game against the Blue Bombers. Now, we aren't sure if the Vancouver Canucks will ever retire Roberto Luongo's number. Maybe there's a better chance he goes in the ring of honor. But Florida is going to retire his number for sure. They announced that today. Luongo's number one will be officially sent to the rafters in Miami on March 7th when the Panthers host Montreal, which, of course, is Luongo's hometown. Third all-time in wins with 489, a large number of them with the Vancouver Canucks. But he did play the bulk of his career in Florida. And he's just as popular in Miami as he was in Vancouver. He owns pretty much all the Panthers' goaltending records. And he will be the first Florida Panther to have his number retired. Absolutely People going in the Yankee Stadium, balls going out of Yankee Stadium. D.D. Gregorius, Yankees, Orioles, first of two in New York. That's a three-run shot, 4-1 for New York. Ladner's James Paxton on the mound today had a rough July. Better in August. Swing and a miss. Yeah, took the win today. His second straight, he now has seven. Cameron Maben, another home run. The Yankees had four in this game. They've been pounding the Orioles in games this year. 8-5 the final, and Paxton is now 7-6. and six. There you go. All right, thanks very much, Squire. Coming up on ET Canada, Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon take on Morning TV, and we have your first look. Plus, Kate Blanchett is so bored of her life, she leaves her family. It's our movie preview of Where'd You Go, Bernadette? That's coming up at 7 right after the news hour. But for now, it's back to you, Chris. Awesome. Thanks very much, Cheryl. Well, with less than a year until the next Summer Olympics in Tokyo, gymnast Simone Biles is putting her competitors on notice, reminding them yet again why she's at the top of her sport. The young phenom winning her sixth national all-around title over the weekend, pulling off not one, but two history-making moves in two different events. She is something else, once in a lifetime. Simone Biles triumphant again, soaring to a sixth national gymnastics title, a feat not achieved by a woman in 67 years. I feel like each one gets better and better because it's like the fifth and then the sixth, and so it just keeps getting more exciting. The 22-year-old's unmatched skills on display over two nights of intense competition. Biles landing an astounding triple-double during her floor exercise. Just keep making history, Simone Biles. An explosion of precision and power that included two flips and three twists, a feat never accomplished by a woman before. And on the balance beam, another unprecedented move. A double-double dismount, two twists, two flips. Just last week before the competition, an emotional Biles taking aim at the sport, blasting USA Gymnastics for enabling former team Dr. Larry Nasser to abuse her and potentially hundreds of other young athletes. They couldn't do one damn job. You had one job. You literally had one job and you couldn't protect us. The head of USAG responding during last night's competition. 
This organization has let down many people, including Simone. And historically, the organization has silenced gymnasts, and that time is no more. The six-time national champion moving her sport forward, both on and off the mat. It's astonishing what she is capable of doing with her body and the extra mat they have to put out on the <laughs> on the already soft floor to protect her. She from. could probably run. She could see somebody in the 20th row having popcorn. I think to myself, I'd like to have that popcorn. <laughs> run, jump, do about three flips and end up in the seat right beside the person. Fly right up there. Uh, she might be the only person Yvonne uh, towers over. Yeah. <laughs> let's uh, let's get the last word on weather before we go here. Uh, we are looking at another warm day tomorrow. We will see a mix of sun and cloud, and then it really brightens up for Wednesday, Thursday. Keep in mind, areas away from the water with the humidex tomorrow feel into the 30s, so it's going to be summer-like over the next five days. All right, looks good. I'm, I can tell you height is overrated. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Thanks very much for watching. Let's Have a change. great night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Try me for a while. <laughs>